Hello and welcome to CM Conversations. I'm today's host, Alyssa Buxton, and my focus here at CM Life Science is in the CRO market. In today's episode, I speak to Lee Fell, Chief Executive Officer at Caritas Neurosolutions, a boutique clinical stage CRO specialising in neurology and mental health. From lessons learned from years in the oncology sector to the impact work-life balance has on managing your mindset and the crucial role psychedelic drug discovery can have on curing neurological disorders, Lee has plenty of insight to share here. Here it is. I hope you enjoy listening. Um, so if you just want to begin by just telling us a little bit about what Caritas do and how it kind of came about, that'd be brilliant. Okay, I will give you the, the full history. So I've been in clinical research industry for 14 years now. I started off in data management and worked my way up through trial coordination, CRA monitoring roles and project management and then started Caritas about five years ago now. So my background was in a variety of different companies, CROs, um, pharmas, NHS um, and then decided to start my own CRO in 2017. So um, when I started Caritas all I knew was that I wanted to um, build a CRO yeah. that would look after its employees having experienced burnout and things mm -hmm. uh, myself in the past, just being a CRA traveling all the time that, you know, I wanted to make sure that that, that wouldn't happen to my employees. And then everybody kept telling me I needed a niche in my first, um, the first CR, the first freelance role that I worked in um, was with cannabinoids and paediatric epilepsy and that really resonated with me because uh, right. both my brother and my uncle had epilepsy when they were children and then at that point I realized that all the illnesses in my family have been neurological and um, there's been Alzheimer's, depression, epilepsy, uh, stroke. So I realized at that point that I really wanted to focus yeah. on uh, anything to do with the mind or the brain have, having been through my own journey as well so uh, yeah we decided to focus on neurology and mental health and also with with all my background had been well most of my background had been in oncology so I decided that it was an opportunity to bring lessons learned from oncology clinical trials into the neurology field so that's the the plan with um with Caritas to um to really to advance um, clinical research in, in the neurology space but we also want to um, <clears throat> run a kind of social impact kind of model uh, in, t in terms of using our profits to help with more academic studies in things like mindfulness, um, CBT and any That's other brilliant. sort of mind-body medicine um, kind of practices and, and I guess our overall mission is to improve whole person health and um, to provide the evidence to support healthcare policies. Absolutely and I think it's it's really nice and important that you practice what you preach and uh, make sure that your employees aren't burning out um, and can you just delve into that a little bit deeper so how, what kind of things are you doing to make sure that they don't burn out and and sort of why do you think CRAs do tend to in these bigger companies? Yeah, my experience having been a CRA for a while myself was that it's the travel that really 
wipes you out, I think, and and you you are sort of pushed to do as many visits as you can in a month on in a mm. lot of companies. Um, so we just make sure that, that well, first of all, making sure that workload isn't too high for any individual person. Um, so a lot of our our employees actually work four day weeks at the moment. Um, we're kind of trialing that. I know yeah. that um, more and more companies are trialing that and. Um, yeah, that's something that we've got going on at Charlton Morrison. Yeah, and uh, I can definitely be an advocate for that. It's it's a great thing in terms of work-life balance. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah I think so. that's what we're finding as well. And it means that people are more focused in the time that they are working um, Absolutely. And, and can enjoy their downtime as well. Have you seen an increase in productivity from your employees that are doing the four-day week? Yeah, so um, most of our employees are, are doing the four-day week, week and um, we've got an excellent culture in, in our company in general, so I, I wouldn't know if we could put it down to just mm-hmm. that alone, but we also do um, well-being practices um in in general so one of the first things that we do is we'll we practice gratitude so at our weekly team meetings we all go around and say something that we're grateful for um and that's a, a sort of well it's it's a well-known um technique for positive yeah. mental well-being and that it's it's training your brain to look for the positives in in life Absolutely. basically but it also enables us to get to know each other as a team because we all work remotely so it's it's a nice thing to start off our weekly meetings with but we also um have done mental well-being training with all mm-hmm. of our team so um we had weekly sessions for a while doing what we call harmonizing training which harmonizing was um a program created by a lady called Don Breslin, which is um, kind of self-confidence training and positive well-being training in general. So we've run through that with with all of our team as well. Um, it encourages people to set boundaries and look at what's draining you in in your life and and to take steps um, to to look after your to, to really focus on your own self care. So there's that as well. Yeah, and we have we have monthly meetups as well where we try and do something well-being based so we've done aerial yoga as a team and we've done fantastic so yeah I think all of those things together have have really brought the team together and um, encouraged that sort of the culture of well-being which um, we we hope will kind of resonate out towards our clients and into our work and and yeah definitely feel like the team are very engaged in the work because they believe in in the mission themselves so yeah that's great and I think uh, a lot of companies may be following suit in the next few years um and just circling back to sort of when you started Caritas then you mentioned that a lot of people said you need to find your niche um why do you Mm. think it's important for a small CRO like yourselves to have that niche there's so many CROs out there um and the the market is so huge that yeah i think finding um something that that you're good at that you where your real strengths are um is really important and um it's i, I came from a background of working for a niche CRO so i worked for a company called Nexus Oncology which became Occam Oncology which was a, a goes without saying it was an oncology <laughs> CRO um and, and and yeah, there was some real um, real expertise in how to run oncology studies in that um, in that company, and that's what attracted clients to the company because um, 
you know we we knew all the the ins and outs of how to to run those studies and i think that there are nuances especially in the neurology field um there are definitely new nuances and challenges that are very specific to a certain indication or disease area um that you you just you need to know in in the planning stages in the early stages and not having a good understanding of um the the clinical pathways that those uh that the patients go through as well really really makes a difference so um i think that's why it's important to to have that niche and obviously um the bigger CROs cover cover all all of the above but with with a small CRO i think it's um it's best not to spread yourself too thin and it, it's you know focus on on what you're good at and what and and the good thing about that in our company as as i said we've we've got this well-being culture within the company but everybody in the company is also trained in some form of psychology or neurology um and has practiced these things in their own um lives as well so we all have a, a real genuine understanding of of the topic and are really passionate about it as well and i think if you um spread yourself across different indications then that would probably become diluted and, and the expertise would be diluted as well I guess. yes so. definitely thank you for that and um you kind of touched on it there that there's some key differences with neurology trials as opposed to say oncology what are those sort of key differences and why that is important for them to have specialists on hand yeah so i would say it's been it's been a real kind of shock to the system for me coming from background of oncology into neurology that the two fields are entirely different um which which i was really surprised at i guess in the early stages um there were a lot of stats flying around um that well they say that or they were saying that uh, neurology trials were 40 years behind cancer mm -hmm. trials um and there's various reasons for that um traditionally there's a very high failure rate in neurology trials um at the time when i started the company they were saying it was a 99.6 percent failure rate wow. for neurology drugs which you know is <laughs> it's almost 100 percent compared to oncology which at the time was an 80 percent failure rate so 20 percent of oncology drugs were um, making it to market um which is quite a significant difference yeah. so at that point in time the year that i started caritas actually a lot of the big farmers were pulling out pulling out investment from their neuro neurology pipelines i remember specifically gsk pulled uh, almost all of their their neurology products um and a lot of the other big farmers were following suit and that was because you know they just there was such a high failure rate they weren't getting the return on the investment thankfully that's changing now um but i think the other other challenges are that um it's really difficult to diagnose a lot of neurology um diseases in the early stages a lot of the symptoms are common to lots of different illnesses and and there's a huge variety of symptoms as well i think partly the, i mean the brain obviously is so complex and affects your whole body that the symptoms can yeah. kind of manifest in any any way at all if you if you have any diseases which is why it's so important to look after our brains but um it makes it really challenging for i guess having specific outcomes and measurements and um yeah 
Yeah. Um, with those specific measurements and outcomes, I was speaking to somebody in the field the other day, actually, and um, he mentioned that the placebo effect is a lot higher in these types of trials, um, which is something I hadn't considered before. Do you find that as well? Yeah, I would say so because, well, obviously placebo is um, an element of the action of all drugs and traditionally we are trained to, uh, well, traditional clinical trials, we want to prove that a drug can beat placebo, which is fine. Um, But obviously in neurology studies and particularly mental health, a lot of the outcome measurements that we have are very subjective Mm -hmm. and therefore placebo really plays into that in in a huge way so um, one thing is that we need to find more objective measures but one of the um, sort of key things about our um, company is that uh, we believe we should be harnessing the power of placebo so yes I I know that we need to prove that a drug has an action on its own but I also think that the power of the, the mind needs to be used mm-hmm. to enhance the power of um, clinical interventions. So we should be training people to use that placebo effect to, to make the drug more effective. And we are looking at models of, of how to work that into clinical trials, how we can, um, how we can work with pharmas to, to use that to enhance the efficacy of their products as well so um yeah i guess that we're needing we're needing more objective measures as well so i guess there's um we need to find biomarkers we need to find um imaging um results and things that we can use as outcome measures for clinical trials and um yeah understanding the symptomology a bit as well uh, will help yeah. so but those are all the challenges that that's are feeding really into. really interesting uh, especially about the placebo effect being a good thing um i suppose that makes perfect sense if it's your mind that's that's causing maybe these diseases and then your mind can obviously mm-hmm. fix them as well um do you think that the placebo effect has a long-term potential or do you think that that could wear off over time um that's a good question but I would say managing your mindset is really key for managing your health as a whole and this is kind of our our bigger mission is that we want to um, uh, provide evidence to show that we should be um, that the brain and our mindset should be central to our our healthcare systems as a whole because well we know that um, your poor mental health can affect your your physical health, the rest, the rest of your health. Um, there's more and more evidence now that um, depression and stress and things are linked to inflammation, mm-hmm. and inflammation <laughs> seems to be causing all sorts of uh, diseases. That's a, the, a whole new um, conversation that's going on around pretty much every disease at the moment. So, um, yeah, managing our minds over the long term is definitely going to make a huge difference to our health as a whole. Um, and yeah, I guess it's got to be just in the same way that you uh, you would have to manage your diet long term and your exercise long term. You can't just eat a healthy yeah. meal <laughs> once and then be healthy for the rest of your life. So it does have to become a part of your your lifestyle. Um, but it has to also be encouraged as, as a, in our culture as a part of our, our healthy lifestyles. So moving on slightly then, 
Another alternative, or um, I won't say new because it's been about for a while, but it's had a resurgence recently, is uh, the psychedelic clinical trials. Do you want to tell me about one that you think's got uh, particular potential or you think is particularly exciting? Yeah, I think psychedelics as a whole is a really exciting field. Um, we kind of inadvertently specialised in them because, as I, I mentioned, them the first study I worked on when I started Caritas was with cannabinoids. And then from there, um, we've kind of specialised in psychedelics, I guess, because there's not a whole lot else coming through the pipeline for um, mood disorders and um, mental distress and things. So, yeah, we've we've been fortunate to have worked on um, psilocybin and ketamine. Um, I mean, there's we're having loads and loads of discussions about yeah. psilocybin, yeah. Uh, which is the product from magic mushrooms. Um, so I, I think that that could have applications for all kinds of different uh, diseases. But I guess the, the ones that look like they're um, possibly closest to um, becoming approved drugs is, is MDNA for yeah. MDMA for PTSD in the FDA. Um, that's, I think, in, in phase three studies at the moment. And, and there are some phase three studies for psilocybin as well with uh, treatment resistant depression. So I think we're not too far off seeing those actually make yeah. it into um, the clinic. Um, definitely, it seems to be quite, quite profoundly powerful for for those types of illnesses but i think it could have a whole a whole range of applications but not only um that i think what we're learning from the studies with psychedelics is we're, we're learning a mm -hmm. lot about the actions within the brain as well so it will lead to a whole new hopefully a whole new class of medications as well mm -hmm. um, potentially very interesting yeah very exciting potential there definitely um, I actually, I took a vote earlier on, on my LinkedIn earlier on in the week mm -hmm. about whether MDMA would have approval by 2023 and you were definitely in the minority um, in saying yes. Do you think that's just um, people lacking the facts and the knowledge or do you think, do you still believe 2023 or do you think it could be a bit longer than that? I don't know. It is maybe I'm being optimistic in thinking that it, it will. Um, I just feel like it is very, very close, and there's been indications already from the FDA and from President Biden and things um, that that it, it could receive approval. We've had mm -hmm. an approval from the FDA for ketamine for depression in the last couple of years, um, albeit ketamine was already used as a as a medication for it was a sedative and um but it was approved as um an antidepressant and a nasal spray in the last couple of years so i think it's not impossible i think attitudes are changing there's still a lot of stigma i think particularly in um generations that remember the 60s <laughs> um so which i don't obviously and so i think i think there's still a way to go in overcoming some of the um the stigma around it but i definitely think that um that the, that it's changing um yeah. and 
yeah, I'm, I'm optimistic. I don't see any reason why these products shouldn't be treated the same as any other medication. I think they need to go through all the same process, the same trials process, same safety testing as any other mm -hmm. medication. Um, so there, there is still a lot to learn, um, but I, I'm very optimistic that there's going to be promising treatments coming out over the next few years. And there's so many people working on it now in the industry um, that the sector has just exploded over the last year or so, I would say. Yeah, that was going to be my next question, actually, in, in terms of funding, because earlier on in the call, you said how the big pharma had pulled funding. Um, and then you sort of hinted at the fact that they're now reallocating that. So is this area something that's getting more attention now? And why do you think that is? Yeah. Um, there's definitely been a massive shift, especially since um, COVID and the, the lockdown. Mm -hmm. um, I think needless to say, COVID made mental health um, much more, uh, people understood it a lot more, um, you know, through almost everybody experienced some kind of distress or challenges over the last couple of years. So everybody gets it now, I think. Yeah. And um, there's definitely been a lot more focus on it. There is there is more investment. Um, a lot of um, venture capitalists are investing okay. in the psilocybin space and in uh, psychedelics. Big Pharma, I think, are kind of waiting to see what's happening, what's um, how how they're overcoming the, the challenges. But they are starting to. Have conversations, and um, there are there are some some initial investments coming from big pharmaceutical companies as well, mm -hmm. um, in the psychedelics specifically. In neurology, um, obviously, over the last year, there was um, an Alzheimer's drug that got FDA approval, aducanumab. Now, it was quite controversial, um, but it was a big step in that it was the first Alzheimer's drug to be approved in in a long time. So I think that has also given um, the Alzheimer's section, neurology sector, a bit of a boost as well. Although um, that drug has not been approved in Europe, it, it does show that um, there's potential there for for neurology yeah. uh, treatments. So I think that's given things a bit of a boost as well. And, and also with COVID and especially with long COVID, there's a lot of sort of neurological impacts yeah. it seems especially kind of neuroinflammation and inflammation as i say is coming into everything now so i think that is also um a, an area that's had a huge amount of investment since covid so yeah and it's a it's a huge area of unmet needs so um it's good to see that's moving in the the right direction because certainly when I started Caritas and everyone was shutting down their neurology yeah. pipelines it was a bit demoralizing <laughs> thinking what what am I doing focusing on on this um this therapeutic field but I'm glad to see it's turning around yeah now. absolutely <laughs> happy you stuck with it definitely um I, I found it really interesting just now that you said uh, the big pharma are the ones that are following suit mm. uh, in some way in the psychedelic trials is that usual that they would wait see how a trial pans out and then jump on it or are they usually the ones that are leading this funding and leading these trials i would say it's usual for them to jump in once once the sector looks quite um confident um 
I I think so. The the reality is we need. I mean, a lot of people have this stigma against big pharma, but the reality is we need big pharma um, to take drugs mm -hmm. into the clinic. So a lot of the early stage work is obviously done in small pharma's biotechs and spin outs, um, and yeah. then big pharma are the ones that really um, can can afford to run big phase three studies and and move these things into the clinic. So um, yeah, I guess that's traditional for them to wait until um, uh, a drug is at a more advanced stage um, to then take it take it forward and and make and take it into the clinic but okay perfect well I'd, I'd be interested mm. to hear what other people think as well definitely um, but do you have any exciting trials going on at Caritas right now that you'd wanted to explain or we're I, th I think we're really we're we're excited to see the way the industry is going. We have, as I say, um, picked up a, no a lot of knowledge in, in the psychedelic space, but we're we're definitely moving forward with neurology studies. Um, we're excited to be hopefully in the early stages of preparing an Alzheimer's study as well. Um, so mm -hmm. we're we're just we're open-minded. We are running a small study on our social impact side that is to do with. Mm -hmm. um, a, a mental health app and looking at the efficacy oh, of brilliant. that um, so working with a, a local provider there and, and setting that up so um, I guess that's that's helping us to understand how to uh, run more remote studies and more decentralized yeah. studies we're also as I mentioned earlier we're developing our um, the our arm, which has been called Caritas Cohesion up to now, I think we we might be calling it Caritas Neuro Fitness going forward, um, and it, that's all about mindset and how we work that into trial models and um, how we can work that into healthcare settings ultimately. So um, yeah, that's about training training the mind, but also about whole person fitness. So it's not just about the mind; it's also about um, nutrition and exercise and um, treating people as a whole. Um, so that's our, our, our projects that we're, we've got going on at the moment. So. Fab, well thank you so much for your time today, it's been lovely speaking with you as always. Thank you, thank you for having me. So that was my CM conversation with Lee Fell, Chief Executive Officer at Caritas Neuro Solutions. I'd like to thank Lee again for her time and the insights she provided on this fascinating topic. I hope anyone interested in trends in drug discovery or hearing from a leader in the CRO market could gain some valuable perspectives from her role and experience in the industry. Subscribe to CM Conversations today for more insights on exciting topics with thought leaders across the life science industry. Thanks again for listening. I've been your host, Alyssa Buxton. Bye for now.